You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Coming to you from the Doubletree Studios is the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Yo, how we doing? Well, before we kind of break down this Utah loss to Washington, a couple of notes. Utes are ranked 16 across the board. The Utes move up one spot in the AP despite losing. This is what it must feel like to be in the SEC. (laughs) No, I mean, it's great that they get recognized for at least hanging with the team that is ranked in the top four and that... Should have been flagged on a punt return <laughs> to end the game, but is that where we're gonna start? Right <laughs> no. there, it could have been a Baker's dozen of flags <laughs> on that play. Three blocks in the back, a holding call, or I mean, a holding. There's probably an assault in there somewhere too. <laughs> so Utah sixteen, and even in the today, we're recording this on Tuesday, November first. Even today, in the first of the 2016 season, the college playoff rankings. Utah's ranked 16th in that. Dude, respect all around. The respect of the program is growing rapidly, not just in the Pac-12, but around the country. There was one tweet I saw today where we're one of six, te- one of six teams to be ranked in every single playoff ranking. I saw that as well. That's, that's pretty... Res- hashtag respect. Pretty respectable. But I think it says a lot for what Kyle's doing with the program as well. Oh, yeah. Time. There's, uh, well, and, and uh, other teams in the conference in the country are recognizing what Kyle's doing. You know, we still don't really have the athletes across the board that, that we're facing each and every week. And recruiting each year, it continues to get better. So as, as that continues to improve, our depth continues to improve with wit at the helm. There's, uh, there's a lot of uh, good days ahead as a youth. And then game day was here this last weekend. Ute fans, Ute Nation, you guys showed up. It was great. I know the three of us were there. Scott, you slept over. I pulled a piece with Ryan. We (laughs) stayed home and slept on our beds and came up that morning. Separate beds. We made it on ESPN. I'm stoked. The three of us made it on there. But uh, no, it was a great showing by Utah fans. Two years in a row that game days come here, and I think... Another year, another time they're here that we really showed up as a fan base and showed what we're made of. I think it was one of our better showings out of the four that we've had. Great crowd, great energy. Um, But you take it even one step further to the actual game itself. That was, in my opinion, one of the best games I've ever attended at Rice Eccles. I definitely agree with you, Sky. I think it was a great atmosphere, great crowd. I think it was the second largest crowd they've had. I think they announced that at, during the game, so kudos to Ute fans for showing up. Well, there was there was definitely a little bit of trepidation. First day game, how's the, are people going to arrive on time? We're going to fill the place, just like TCU twenty ten. Place was chuck full at kickoff, and it was loud. That fourth quarter was one of the funnest environments. Uh, everybody on their feet. It was loud. Norm Chow was on the radio this week, and uh, he had mentioned that his his uh, good friend came up from Southern Cal, 
to watch the game, and he compared it. He said the only time he's heard a stadium that loud was when US, UCLA went to Auburn. Auburn seats 80,000 people. Wow. Great environment, great crowd, and uh, made for made for a good game. So, yeah, kudos you fans. We got to keep it up. Very get, cool. Get, we're getting a very good reputation around the league. So now that we've talked about the roses of Saturday, <laughs> let's really talk about this Utah loss, thirty-one to twenty-four. I don't even know where to begin. I'm still pretty ticked off. That we were in it. You're ticked off we were in it? Well, that we couldn't finish. No, I I mean well, I didn't, I mean there's a lot of positives to take away from this game. As uh I mean, got down fourteen fourteen nothing early. As always, this season. <laughs> That's what we do. That is Fall what behind we do. early. But I think we all kind of were a little afraid TCU twenty ten was happening all over again. We I I was and when you watch that, the offense couldn't move the ball. The defense was giving up chunk play after chunk play. It, they were moving the ball at ease, and we couldn't stop them, and we couldn't move the ball ourselves. It was like, oh, boy, here we go again. But it all, it all uh, momentum switched as soon as Chase got that interception. Ran up, ran up back down, I think, within the, in the twenty. And then we struggled. We made it a lot more difficult than it needed to be, but finally got seven points up on the board after uh, how many draw plays and taking Joe Williams out of the game. Who made it more difficult? A-Rod made it more oh, difficult? Oh, boy. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but, no, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of positives. Granted, we had a lot of mistakes, but we forced Washington into a lot of mistakes. It was not... It was their worst performance of the season. And a lot of that credit has to go to Utah um, with what they were able to do. I mean, Jake Browning only came away with 186 yards passing. and uh, Well below his average. Well below. And uh, and I think a lot of that had to do with the game plan Scali had in place for shutting down their passing game and, and how we attacked it. I will tell you this, and I want both of you to listen to me. I am sick and tired of people blaming all our problems on Aaron Roderick. What? what the crap? What the crap? Do we not remember what it was like under Dave Christensen? Unfortunately, you, you we really, do. You really want to go back to those days? It's don't burned in our memory. No, don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say he's perfect. He's... In my opinion, he's still young. And I know my opinion is my opinion. whoop de doo He's still young. Yeah, he's, he's still growing. He is young. He's but got look, the haircut of a 14-year-old. <laughs> but look what he's doing with this team with a fifth-string center. Wide receivers, we don't know who's going to be in, who's going to be out. We went from having depth at running back to having to get Joe Williams out of retirement. So this is – you're just – I mean, a Rod's the answer for you. He's like he's like the best coach I'm not, of the no, year. Right I'm not here? saying that he is the best coach of the year. I'm not saying he is the best OC in the land. I'm not saying that at all. But to blame all of our problems on A Rod is not the correct thing to do. You can't, well, no, you and, can't and, say all, but there's a good portion and, that's his and, fault. And quite frankly, Cam, I will agree a hundred percent with you because I think we've seen some improvement, and I think for the most part. We're we're seeing 
it's it's a very slow process. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is like slow. <laughs> Molasses slow. But we are seeing some progress to an extent in evolution of this offense. Now, with that being said, there's still a lot of areas that have just simply have to get better. I mean, Whittingham, I think for the 55th straight game on his postgame show, has said, word for word, we need to get more out of the pass game. So wide receivers dropping probably, balls now. A-Rod's problem he probably is, what, throw is what you're saying. No, I'm, I, I, I'm not lumping the offense as a whole here. We've got the running game, and we've got the throw game. Two very separate. Offensively, I don't know how any Ute fan can complain about our run game right now. Joe Williams comes back. He's he's run for he, he's run for just under 700 yards in three games. He is looking phenomenal. Our O line has come together and is is dominating games. So offensively, through the running game, not to mention a big portion of this is all due to us being able to possess the ball. We are second in the country currently for time of possession offensively. And that comes back to A-Rod, his game exactly. planning, and Harding. I don't want to leave him out. Yeah. He is a no. co-OC. They, they get all the credit in the world for this. because, and I, and I think that is the game plan. It's not just happening by chance. That's, that's the game plan. And they are efficiently executing that. So offensively, through the run game, I have no complaints, and quite honestly, nobody nobody in the fan base should have any complaints. In the grand scheme of this season, and you can go back to last season too, when you got when you look at the total when you look at the record, you look at the wins, the win totals are adding up. A lot of that is because of the defense, not because of the offensive production. No. I have issues with A-Rod. Going back to your first statement, Scott, about A-Rod growing in his in his I profession. Did, I did say slowly. You did say slowly. But here we are. We joined the Pac-12 five years ago. It's a slow process to recruit the type of players we need. It's making it even slower having an offensive coordinator who is growing as an offensive coordinator also. You've got two slow processes, and it's killing the offense. It, it all goes back to Winningham. Why did he change an OC every single year? Well, I mean, Because they suck. So, okay, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. You, there's no point in going in and arguing what's already happened. Nothing's going to change that, so there's no point in bringing that up and arguing it. The fact is, this is A-Rod's second year as the OC and calling plays. We're seeing, we're seeing improvement. You can't argue that. I agree. We are seeing improvement. But you have to remember, when he came in, there were coaches on the offensive side of the ball that were saying that it was a dumpster fire. Well, as a fan, I won't argue that. Yes, <laughs> we were a ranked team. Yes, you know, we came out and destroyed Colorado State in the Las Vegas Bowl. But it wasn't all hugs and kisses on the offensive side of the ball. That was a wreck. It's going to take some time to get that built up. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, we're seeing it. You go from last year to this year, what we what we talent-wise that we've got offensively, it is night and day. It is night and day. 
Now, we have to remember Troy Williams is still technically a young quarterback, experience-wise. And he, and and what he's brought to the offense is the ability to get the big play, which is what we've been lacking for many years since joining the joining the conference. He's allowed that. He he throws a great deep ball. And a lot of the time, not 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 all the time, but he's hitting guys where they need to. He's putting the ball where it needs to. Problem is, he's not doing that consistently enough right now. For th- I believe that was his fourth straight game with under a fifty percent completion percentage. Which, in Whittingham's own words, to be a good quarterback in this league, you can't be below sixty percent. So that that right there, in and of itself, is where we need to see the improvement. Well, that first half it was downfall. I mean, yeah, I mean, the it, second half was fine. The first half, he every ball he threw was three feet above the receiver's head. Well, whether that's because he was so amped up for this game or, or what, whatever the reason is, uh, you know, people are speculating that he's injured and that's affecting his mechanics. I don't know what, what, the, what the situation is there. But if he could get go from 48 to 60, 65% completion percentage, that's going to be another five to six completions a game that, that, uh, that can help this offense and help the passing game. The thing, to me, the thing that's dis, disconcerting is how good we are running the ball, and yet we're not quite taking advantage of that through the passing game. Play action, play action, play action. We're, every time we do it, we're getting these linebackers just to stick in the hole longer than they should be, which should be allowing us to get some completions and get the ball down the field. And we do it at times. But again, it goes back to the lack of consistency in, in us doing it. And that right there in and of itself, to me, is the issue offensively. Is we've got to get better at completing passes, helping the quarterback out. I mean, Moai had two drops. Simpkins had two drops. One that was crucial on the uh, just before uh, the punt return for a touchdown. So wide receivers have got to help out the quarterback. But... We saw it. Troy was, he threw some phenomenal balls in that game and put the well, ball that exactly touchdown to where Moe it to was fantastic. And, and as he caught uh, Moei in the first half towards the sideline, threaded between two guys. So at times he, he looks terrific. Other times he looks, I mean, he struggles to hit the running back on a screen pass. That right there is 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 why I think we're so up and down offensively. The the thing the takeaway for me for this game that was frustrating is the small mistakes, the the fine detail. Moei, we're in the two minute. We're trying to score before half. He runs a route towards the sideline, catches it, and instead of taking one step going out of bounds. All of a sudden, he tries to break a tackle and go upfield, and he gets tackled inbounds, and we have to blow our, our last time out. That right there is offensive coaching. You have got to teach these guys the very simple aspects of the game. Get out of bounds in those situations. The very next play, our quarterback steps up into the pocket and is sacked. Luckily, we, we still got the field goal, but we're very fortunate to get the field goal. Late in the game, we, we talked about it earlier with Simpkins. I don't know what did you guys what did you guys think of the play call giving Simpkins the ball in the, in that situation? I didn't like it, Kim. 
the field was wide open. He runs, he gets that first down. Well, the play wasn't designed for him to run. But you got to think it has that option, though. Oh, he. Oh, if you. So they say that he they practice that all week. No, I no. I'm jumping in here. So you're saying that it's coaching these mental mistakes, correct? Yeah. Okay. Would you? No, no, don't. I'm I'm talking. No, no, I'm I'm talking. I'm going to strengthen my point right here. No, we heard your point. How many false starts have killed drives? How many holding penalties? It's up here with these guys. Would you say that Kyle Winningham is a great defensive coach? Yep. Yes. Do you think that Morgan Scally is an up-and-coming defensive coach? I already think he's a great defensive coach. So you think he's a great defensive coach? So the tackling by the defense the last two games, in your words, Scott, has been horrendous. Wait a second. Are we just talking about the offense? Yes, but I'm using this Holy point. Holy U-turn. I'm using this point. So because... He's trying to defend A-Rod here. Because the defense has Can't been... Can't wait until he starts to bring in tackling, special teams into this. I, I didn't talk over you. <laughs> Where, where's the moderator, Ryan? <laughs> he had his two minutes. Where's mine? So I'll get to my point. Today? <laughs> Eventually. Tackling has been terrible on the defense. Mental mistake. That comes back to coaching. So you're gonna, using your same argument, our defensive problems is on Winningham and on Scally. If you're going to use the same yeah, argument for a sure, you could say that. I, I got okay. No, I got if, no problem if with you're that cool, if, you're, if, if you guys are fine with blaming Winningham and Scally for those mental errors on defense, <laughs> then I'll agree with the mental errors on offense okay. on okay. A-Rod Here's and Harding. Here's the deal. We're not – D-line is not jumping off sides five times a game. All right? We're not – they're not the same type of issues. They're not the same type of problems. It, if we, let's go back to the, the trick play that – I think work. we had three personal fouls in UCLA that gave them their first touchdown that gave their offense <laughs> that momentum, <laughs> that rhythm to yeah, come back in the game. and you know what? I'm sure – So, yeah. You know, I'm sure we can remember 10 years ago if, some bad things that yeah, happened defensively. Yeah, 10 years ago, Scott. I'm talking about last week. Okay, Come let's on, go back if you're, to if the you're trick gonna play, play. If you're going to blame A-Rod <laughs> – If you're going to blame A-Rod – and you, and here's the other thing. If you're going to play an I-Rod, you got to throw in Harding. All the coaches are at fault at so, in some aspect of the game. You, you can't, there's not a perfect coach out there. There's not a perfect player out there. We're going back to what started this argument was the trick play that didn't work. Ryan, what does this have to do with special teams? <laughs> <laughs> Wisnowski is the best Ponte in the world. <laughs> no, but 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 in all honesty, going back to that play call, I I love the play call. I just don't love it in that situation. I don't either, Eddie. But here's the thing: they talked about it in the post game that they practiced it all week long. You can't tell me that the coaches did not tell Simpkins if the if the receiver's not open, look to run it. Patrick was not open. There were two guys on him. Not not to mention. If you're not going to run, if he's not open, what are you going to do? Throw it away if Throw it's it not away. there. Or Which eventually what the result of the play was because it ended up being incomplete. Luckily, However, luckily it didn't get picked. Oh, yeah. But he had space there. And again, so all of these things that 
I think it's been five minutes since I made my original point, but uh, <laughs> these are the small details that make offenses great. And there's n- how how I prove this point. Look at Washington. That offense was a was awesome to watch. As a fan wanting to see them lose and make mistakes, I came away so impressed with them offensively. They run a scheme that gets people open. It doesn't require athleticism. It doesn't require you to to just one-on-one beat your guy all the time. It's a scheme that is run very well, and it's called very well, that that just creates open space, and it creates a lot of mismatches, and and it kept Scally off balance for, for part of that game. Now, credit to Scally. I thought he made some great adjustments at halftime, and uh, he changed some things, and those changes were effective. But I came away really impressed with Washington's offense because it's just it, it's the type of offense that would totally fit Whittingham. It's not some high-tempo, throw the ball 70 times a game. They run the ball, they protect the ball, and they, they efficiently pass the ball. And they're very good at it. But you know why they're good at it? They're not jumping off. They're not having false starts. They didn't the have time. one holding call not, the entire game. They haven't had a holding call in three weeks. They're not making the mental mistakes that we're currently making. You know, I completely agree with you. And I th- and I can't at the end of that game, you know, everyone's frustrated with how we lost, and I was all over Twitter jumping on and tweeting and retweeting stuff about those those uh, missed blocks in the back. But then when you stop and think about it. Say they call that and and they have to they've got three minutes to drive. They they were so good. Who's to say they wouldn't have scored anyway? They, they could, very well could have scored and won the game they, with they, thirty they, seconds yeah, left. They could have drained the clock and kicked a field goal to win the game. I mean you know, so there's so many different scenarios that could come not to mention we had three guys miss the tackle before any of those blocks in the back came into play. So we had our chances. We just Unfortunately, we've been so good on special teams all year long to to lose that way hurts more than uh, more than normal. But at the end of the day, it's to me it's not the big things offensively. It's the very small detail things that are, a lot of them are just mental makeup. We've got to get stronger. We've got to get more focused and stop kicking ourselves. And if we do that, I think we're going to be a good team offensively. We're not going to be number one in the league, but we don't need to be. If we can be in the top five, top four offensively in the league, and we're getting closer to that, as good as we are defensively, we got a chance to to consistently be at the top of the Pac-12. But see, and I think that just comes from this offense continuing to mature. Of course. And I, I, I wholeheartedly Because if you look, this wasn't the Washington team from last year. They have a year under their belt together. They're more mature as a, a unit. I think Utah's in the right direction, and A-Rod is leading them there. No, and, and I agree. I'm, I'm not, you know, A-Rod's not going to win Offensive Coordinator of the Year awards by any stretch of the imagination. But I think he's doing a pretty good job, and I, and I do see growth there. I think things are getting better, and as long as that happens, then then we're on the correct path, and uh, I think things will be fine. I just 
again, really came. I just came away really impressed with Washington and what they do offensively, their schemes, um, their play calling. It was it was it was fun to watch. If we can get there, watch out. Hey, at the end of the day, we only lost by a touchdown to those guys on a last-second punt return. So there's lots of positives to take away from this game. Yeah, definitely some some frustrations. But at the end of the day, that's what good teams do. They're going to make you make mistakes. They're going to make you do things you normally wouldn't do. Yeah, you're right. And, and the, the, the positive to take away from this game is that with three games left, that didn't derail the season. We have three games to go out there and still win the pack, uh, the South Division, and go to the championship game. Have if, we have we gotten to the part of the show where we talk about how the Pac-12 refs suck? <laughs> or is that later? <laughs> I think we've mentioned that a few times, but we can keep bringing it up. So, Ryan, you said Utah's three games left. We have Arizona State, Oregon, Colorado. So right now in the standings, Colorado is at one, Utah and USC are at two. Utah has the tiebreaker over USC. It's pretty simple. We hold our destiny in our hands. Three games to go against three, two very winnable games, and Colorado is going to be a tough one, the fact that it's on the road. But we should handle ASU, and we should take care of business against Oregon. So it really should come down to the winner of Colorado. Which is, I mean, as well as they've been playing, that's a game to be nervous for. That They, they always seem to play us tough, and it comes right down to the end. And it's at their place. And so you can look at these three teams, Colorado, they still play, this week they play UCLA at Arizona, home for Washington State, and home for Utah. So they still have some tough games coming up. USC, they're home against Oregon, then they go at Washington, at UCLA, and then they end at a conference with Notre Dame. There's a scenario out there, I think Cameron told me about it while we were waiting for the train, that... uh we can the Utah can go into that Colorado game and not have to worry about it. it. Can already have it wrapped up. They can if if UCLA and Washington State both take Colorado down, the, and we win and we win Arizona two, State and Oregon, then uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but it came out today. Rosen's most likely done for the season, so UCLA's left with Farfel. So uh, <laughs> or I, Lord Farquad, depending on how you want to go. So uh, I don't. Th- I think Colorado. I think Colorado will uh, will roll UCLA. The Washington State game to me is going to be critical because if we somehow drop one of these games at ASU or Oregon, even if we beat Colorado, they still have to get another loss there somewhere for for us to to win the South here. So. Washington State, to me, is the most crucial game left uh, on Colorado's schedule, obviously, other than uh, other than the, the showdown at the final of the season. The biggest thing, though, is if Utah just goes out and takes care of business, it's all over. So, so what is the likelihood? Scale of 1 to 10, what, Ryan, how likely is Utah to win the South? I, I like our chances in the first two games. I'm nervous about the Colorado game if it comes down to that. 
Okay, Trump and Hillary, would you like to answer the question? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll well, jump how, in. How did I not answer the question? On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are we to win the division? I will give it an 8 right now. Thank you. I'm not as confident going in these three games like Ryan. Arizona State worries me. Yeah, they might be 5-4 and four on the on the year. But if you look at their offense, they're still putting up 35 points a game. Yeah, they're just stealing points. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they stealing them from? <laughs> Who knows where, where he gets them. And it's on the road. I'm not saying that Utah can't go in there and come away with the victory. If the game was today, I would pick Utah. But I'm not as confident in saying that we're going to run the table as an eight. So Oregon. what are you saying? I'm not there yet. Answer the question. I will. Oregon. Oregon has been terrible. But since, terrible. But since they have found that freshman quarterback, they've been playing better. And you know they want revenge from last yeah, year. Yeah, but they still don't have a defense. And Utah, I'm, proved, okay. I'm, Utah proved against I mean, UCLA. Am I, am I saying that Utah's going to go out and lay an egg and going to lose? No, I'm not saying that, you Ryan. You are like a bitter couple. I'm just saying I'm not as confident as an eight. Right yeah. now, today, on November 1st, I'm not at an eight. I got, and I then got lastly, a, I got I'm, new, I'm, I, hey, no, I, no, no, I I'm still talking. I got a new nickname for Oregon, two-ply, because they are soft. <laughs> <laughs> and the last game, Colorado. As much as I hate Coach, is it McIntyre and his haircut? And his haircut. Have you have you ever had a dream where you and Ma- uh, Coach McIntyre in a meadow together? <laughs> what? <laughs> have you been reading Cougar Board? <laughs> so I may be at a six. Interesting. What are you, Scott? I would I would go. I'm I I would agree with Ryan. I I you I, homers. I think we're an eight, and he, and here I'll tell you why. Okay, what we just did against Washington instilled a lot of confidence in me because we've had a trend for the last four years where we start off really well, and we hit the second half of the season where injuries have caught up, lack of depth, um, and just just kind of wearing out. Where we get a bye late in the season for the first time since we've joined the Pac-12 we our bye is late in the season that in and of itself is huge it allows us to get some extra rest get these guys healthy get some of these starters back onto the field for this final stretch of three games ASU they're in a free fall now going down there and beating them we're gonna have to show up we're gonna have to play well I don't think that's going to be an issue. Oregon, they're softer than Charmin Ultra. We're going to score points on those guys. Yes, they their offense is improving, but senior night, with the goals that we have in place right before us, that should not that should not be a close game. It's all as we all said. It's all going to come down to Colorado. I got confidence. I I am in confident in us finally. Because we've been there for three years with the Pac-12 South in our grasps. And I think we're finally going to have learned how to finish. I'm, I think I think we do it. This team has shown all year how resilient it is. And they want a rematch with Washington in that championship game. 
they they're gonna go out there and get it done. No, and I'm not saying that they're not. I and I'm at a six with them. I'm even lower with a Colorado or USC. Out of those three teams, I think Utah has the best chance. But I'm just not at an eight. That's all I'm saying. And you guys are attacking me for it. I <laughs> don't know why. But I do want to hear from you listeners out there. You can tweet in at Utah Man Podcast. Where are you on a scale from one to Where ten? Where are you? For how, Utah? how are you hanging in there? Oh, well, I'm in San Bernardino. We're getting better. <laughs> I want to know what you guys think on a scale from one to ten. How confident are you in Utah finishing out the season as the Pac-12 South Division champions? Tweet at us. Bring it. <laughs> I do not want to see Colorado get a division title before we do. But so help me, if USC somehow slithers their way into another one, I'm going to be irate. They're going to backdoor it with a, one loss from Utah and two losses from Colorado. They go, thank you very much. Well, you know, <laughs> they backdoor with the rest of them. So I think it's really just going to come down to Utah, Colorado. Got to take care of business. I'm sick of this. Let's just do this. Enough with this. Oh, I hope they can do it. No, just go get the job done. Show up each week, get the victory, and let's go freaking play for the title. Amen, brother. I like it. And again, we'd love to hear what you have to say on where your feelings are with Colorado, Utah, USC at Utah Man Podcast. So like we do every show, we end with picking our Pac-12 games since there's no Utah game this week. Boo. Which means I'm going to be stuck cleaning out the garage. My yard needs a bye week. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> so does mine. All of my. I got a lot of leaves to, my, to do. My front yard, I can't even see the grass. It's covered in leaves. <laughs> All right. So, our first game for Pac 12 is UCLA at Colorado. Uh, opened up as a nine point spread. It's now moved to about 12 for Colorado. Scott, it's your week to go first. Who do you got? UCLA at Colorado. I am going to go with Colorado. I think they. Uh, as I mentioned, Farfel is their only hope, and I think uh, Colorado wins handily. <laughs> Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. I have to go with Colorado as well. A big shout-out to our friends at Free Ballin' Podcast. I think Colorado has probably one of the best secondaries in the country, or in the conference, excuse me, in the conference, especially their corners. I think UCLA is going to really have to throw exceedingly well, which I don't think they're going to be able to, so I think Colorado wins. Ryan? The UCLA has the ability to make this a game, and I think Colorado edges them at home. All right, next up we have Oregon at USC, where USC opened up as a 14 favorite. Um, as of today, the first, it's moved about 17 for USC. Scott, who are you taking? Go put money on this, because I think USC wins by 20-plus. I completely agree with you. I think USC puts the hammer on the Ducks, and I think they win and they cover the spread big time. Ryan, who do you got? USC big. All right, and then our last game is Washington at Cal. Uh, Washington opened up as a 17-point favorite. It's moved about 16-and-a-half. Scott, where are you going? That's an interesting spread because uh, Cal – Cal can throw the ball, and they're at home, and and they are at home, which is the their only hope. 
I think Cal's going to cover, but I think Washington wins. Um, I think Washington, to an extent, is going to have a bit of a hangover after that big victory, um, but I think they win. Not so fast, my friend. Washington. Okay, Coach Corso. Washington plays USC next week. They're Com- not losing to Cal. Cal- complete trap game only for bad, Washington. Only horrible teams lose to Cal. I mean, <laughs> no, Cal's a dumpster fire. The fact that we lost to them is embarrassing. It's true. I can't argue against that, but Cal's at home. Washington is coming off a big win at Utah. They have USC the following week. Maybe they're looking ahead a little too much, overlooking Cal. I'm taking Cal in the upset. (gasps) What? And you just cemented yourself in third place. Ryan, (laughs) who are you taking? It'd be fun to watch Washington lose, however. No, it wouldn't. Actually, at this point, we should all be Washington fans. Ryan, who are you taking? I can see it being a little bit of a trap game, but Washington's too good of a team to lose to Cal, so I'm going to go Washington. Coach Peterson and Sonny Dykes, there's not even a comparison there. I hate them both. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? I'm on a bye week, so you can't find me. And you can find us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com as, as well as Twitter and Instagram at utahmanpodcast. And you can always find us on iTunes and Stitcher and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And even though we have a bye this week, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. And I will elaborate. Are you a BYU fan all of a sudden? (laughs) Facts don't mean anything? I'll hit you with some facts right now. Hit me with your big shot. (laughs) Best shot. (laughs) I prefer the big shot. (laughs) Yeah, but they're not playing Oregon this week. Don't go put money on that one because they're not playing. Yeah, if you put money on that one, Cam is severely going to screw you. <laughs> put the mortgage on it. <laughs> speaking of speaking of, will be till I die, Kai Yai. Is Domo going to make a play this year? 